0: Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got going on today?
1: Okay, I mean, it's going to be a great episode. I think I say that every time. Yeah. Hopefully they all are great. But this is going to be a great episode. We have with us uh, JP, uh, Jonathan Picluda, who is our Dallas campus pastor. We're going to talk today about discouragement and specifically how to lead uh, through that. And the old adage is that, boy, every church leader... Um, You know, crafts their resignation letter on Monday, and we we always see church leaders energized on a Sunday morning, Uh, and Mondays um, oftentimes are pretty dark, and um, and that's just kind of the reality. Is there are seasons of discouragement, and um, and so you and I both have a lot of respect for JP watching the way he uh, leads himself and leads others, and so uh, JP, really glad you're here. Hey, Um, podcast world, how are we doing? (laughs) So let's just let's just jump into it, Um, uh, JP.
2: How do you lead? Uh, Through discouragement. First of all, I just want to thank you guys for this, uh, giving me this uplifting topic, (laughs) a little lighthearted topic today. So (laughs) I think the goal, you know, I heard Todd say, our senior pastor here say recently in a message, uh, we say TGIF, thank God it's Friday because it's the end of the week, and um, for Christians that should be TGIM, thank God it's Monday, thank God I get to get back in the grind and go to the mission field. And so if uh, someone is listening and they're discouraged. Uh, My prayer for you is that this weekend you'd say T-G-I-M. And so you asked, how do we lead through discouragement? It's what we're talking about. And I think it starts with identifying the discouragement, right? So the first thing, if we're going to lead, uh, we're not talking about leading discouraged people. Uh, we have to identify, okay, why am I discouraged? What is the problem? What is, what is the dark cloud that is hanging over me right now? What is hindering my leadership? What is hindering my influence? Oh, what is hindering uh, my excitement about the mission, and I think that could be a number of things, and so we could just list some of them out. I'd love to hear from you guys too if you, you wanted to add to um, this list, I'll, I'll, I'll process. Uh, I think some guys are just like, hey, I'm not as far as I wish I was in my career. And so they're like, man, I really thought I'd be further. I'm, I'm now 37. I'm now 42. Uh, you know, the, My millennial friends are like, hey, I'm now 23, and I thought I would be the CEO by now. And so what is, what is going on? Um, you might think, hey, I don't have the influence that I hoped for. I thought by now that I would be leading people. I'm still being led. Uh, you might think, "Hey, my ministry or my work is is, is not ex, uh, successful." as I I would thought, or you start to play the comparison game. You're looking at other people and you're thinking, man, they seem further along than I am. Uh, The uh, big discouragement for believers, for Christians is my quiet time. I'm spending time with the Lord. God feels far. It's not a season of him talking to me. It's not a season where I'm getting into his word and the word is rich and, and I'm getting in my car and I'm so excited about what I'm going to do. It's just, it feels like I'm in the Valley. Uh, It feels like uh, it's a drought, a spiritual drought and God seems far from me. Uh, we talked about it at Linger Conference this uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, if you if you want to feel close to God, a lot of times you have to walk with Him through the valley. Uh, so you you endure that. We'll get to more of that in a minute. And uh, you might be like, "Hey, my boss is a jerk. I, I just I don't like who I work with or who I work for, and that's why I don't like the mission. That's why I don't love what I'm doing." Or it might just be that it feels like the target that they're they're asking me to aim for is constantly changing. Or the responsibilities they're giving me are ambiguous. I don't know what a win is. And so therefore, I can't feel excited about what I'm doing because I don't know what success looks like. And so all of those things with with a lot of other – a longer list could be why you're discouraged. But I think step one in leading through discouragement is really understanding why you're discouraged. Would you guys add to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, the one I resonate with, because it's conversations you and I have had recently, is about that winning piece yeah. and not knowing if we're winning. And, and that's some of that's just the nature of what we do in churches. It's really hard to measure spiritual growth. It's really hard to measure if people are growing in full devotion to Christ. And so when we had Tyler Briggs, uh, Fort Worth campus pastor on A couple episodes ago and he talked about some of those days that he would drive home dreaming about like I wish I just mowed lawns because at least I would know when I was done and it was done well and and essentially what he was saying is sometimes these projects we work on just seem to go on and on and on I don't know if I'm winning I don't know when they when they're gonna end and it'd be really nice to just know I'm done and it was successful and so that that's for me is is so often it just feels like uh, we're boiling the ocean I don't know if we're making any progress things like that and that can that can lead to a lot of discouragement for Yeah, me. skip
1: those first three you rattled off JP all, all of them were about comparison every one of them sure and uh, just that that phrase uh, comparison is the thief of joy uh, has just God, could not be more true yeah. uh, in my in my own life and it shows up in a hundred different ways it's not I mean it is it is ministry success it is um, it is your title, it is influence. It is uh, your, you know, uh, your perception of other people's families and how what their kids now we're going to college. What your kid got on ACT and how much scholarship money uh, they got and all this kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, you can end up being really discouraged really quick if you're looking at uh, you're taking your cues from others. Yeah, I think a lot of times discouragement is born out of discontentment. It's like uh, discouragement's weaker younger brother. And it starts out as discontentment, and then it's just that a season of discontentment. I'm not happy, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now it feels like perpetual lack of joy. It's going to bring everyone this leading through discouragement. You're going to move to a place where you begin to question your role, right? You say, okay, I'm not the guy, I'm not the person for the job in front of me. Um, Is there another job out there for me? And so I think that's where it always, always ends up.
0: That'd be a good tangent to go on. Let's just hang out there for a second. Like, So if if somebody is listening right now and they're going, yeah, I think that's what I'm feeling. I'm waking up Monday and I don't know if I'm in the right role what would you say to somebody? How, how do we know if we're in the right role? What are some some clues or some indications that you've seen?
2: So I, my, my journey has been a unique one. I came into vocational ministry from corporate America. And in corporate America, I was in business development or sales. That's a fancy way to say sales. And, uh, and early in my career, I was doing door-to-door sales of selling telecom and to businesses and I had this territory in Dallas, Texas. It's called Industrial Boulevard. It's August in Texas. Uh, I'm wearing a wool suit for some reason. I don't know why. And I um, I walk into this this company. And you know you you have to just really psych yourself up to do this. And uh, and there's this big no soliciting sign shouting at me on the front of this door. And I and I, I stand in front of the door. I look at the sign. I read no soliciting. And and then I just kind of get the the guts to just barge inside. I swing open the door. I walk in. And I say, hey, hi. I'm you know introduce myself. I'm Jonathan Pecuda. I'm here to speak to whoever makes decisions on your telecom. Would you please get them for me? And then you break eye contact. And that's where they go and get the decision maker. They're supposed to. And this lady doesn't break eye contact, and she says, "Get out!" And I say, uh, I, under, you know, "I understand how you feel. I've had other customers that have felt the same way. What they found is that we really can, we can help them save money on their telecom. And so, would you please help me get, you know, the person who makes decisions?" She says, "Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out!" And she just starts shouting at me. Top, I mean, she's angry, like smoke coming out of her ears. And, and so I, I, I try to say something else. She cuts me off. Get out. And she's pushing me out the door now. It's gotten physical. And... Uh and so I I stumble out into the street on Industrial Boulevard. I think the the temperature that day was 106 degrees, and and I and I just start mad walking. You ever done this? You're you're angry walking. I've read about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking angry down uh, Industrial Boulevard, and I'm staring at the ground, and I'm sweating like crazy. It's so hot, and I'm just staring at the ground. and I'm walking, just taking it out on the on the pavement, and I don't see because I'm looking at the ground. I don't see this uh, air conditioned unit hanging out of a, a brick wall so it's like a window unit that was sticking out of the side of a building at about six feet high and I'm six seven and, and I'm hanging my head and so it's just the right height for as I'm moving you know I don't know it probably felt like 30 miles an hour walking down the sidewalk and it catches me in the temple I mean just just run right into this AC unit. It spins me around, and I fall on my hands and knees. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. I know you asked me a question. <laughs> uh, it spins me around. I'm on my hands and knees, and and I'm staring at the concrete. And I begin to see my own reflection in my blood. My my forehead is now bleeding profusely, and I I look up, and I just I'm at the I'm at the end of my rope, man. Like I am so done. I've already quit in my head, and um, I, I hate this job. And I I look up across the street. I'm all on all fours on the side of the road, and I I see this Burger King, and I'm just like, okay, that's that's the only hope I have right now. Is I'm going to go in there and and get something to eat or drink. And I go in and, and I get a brownie uh, with ice cream, which is not something they they did at the time. But I yelled at the guy. <laughs> Let's and,
0: come back to that. <laughs> yeah, okay, we will.
2: But I get brownie and ice cream, and I and I sit down. And I'm eating my brownie and ice cream. And I'm just, and I'm, and honestly, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer at the time. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm just like, Lord, why are, why are you doing this to me? You know? And, um, and I look up, I I glance up and there's a guy sitting at my table for two. Like somebody had the audacity. I'm just thinking, Hey, not today, buddy. I don't know what you're selling, but no way. And he sits down at my, at this table for two at Burger King. And, uh, it's me and this stranger and, and I'm holding a paper towel uh, to my forehead because you know, it had been bleeding. And he said, are you having a rough day? <laughs> and I wanted to punch him. you know? I'm just like, are you serious? I, I just remember this being this weird moment. And, and he begins to ask me about my faith. He was going to witness to me, this man. And, uh, and I just like, no, I, I believe in God, but I just don't know what he wants from me right now. I don't know what he would want me to do right now. And he starts to ask me these questions. He says, are you in sin? And I said, well, I understand I'm a sinner. He goes, no, no, are you in, like, do you have some unconfessed sin in your life? I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not hiding anything. And um, and he says, you know, how, how long have you been in this position? And he's asking me my job. And then with, with great certainty, he looks me in the eyes and he says, hey, I know what you're supposed to be doing. And I, I'm like, how do you know? Like, and he goes, I, I know with great certainty what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, what? And he said, exactly what you're doing. Because that's what you woke up doing this morning. You're not not hiding sin in your life. Like this is what God is sovereign. He has a plan for you. And this is where he put you. And this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, you're telling me God wants me to wear a wool suit? August? No, you could have worn a different suit. but, uh, (laughs) But this job is the job that God has for you. And he wants you to do it for his glory in Colossians three. And uh, he wants you to do it to make the teaching of our savior attractive, Titus two and 10. And, and, um, and this guy, you know, and then, and then the guy disappeared. No, he didn't really. It's, <laughs> right before your eyes. If I ever had an encounter with an angel, you know Dude, this was it. That and, guy. Uh, I'm gonna go drive the streets of Industrial Boulevard tonight. Uh, kind of Yeah. yeah is that Burger
0: you know. King still there?
2: It is still Let's there. Let's go. I, I,
0: right after I, this. I think about this every Brownies time. Brownies and ice by. cream on me.
2: That's right. They don't have they don't do that anymore. But <laughs> Tommy Nelson says, and I'm sure somebody before him has said, you know, bloom where you're planted. And there's just something to that. There's something to believing that the Lord has a plan for you, because as long as you sit in the mode of what else is there, what else is there, what else is there, what else is there, else is there that, is, that breeds discontentment. You know, you're just stuck in this constant decision-making, um, do, I, do I stay, do I leave, do I stay, do I leave, do I stay, do I leave? Hey, stay until you leave. You know, go 100% all in until you're pushed out, until the Holy Spirit moves you somewhere. And I I know there's um, some specifics to that, some nuances to that uh, for for someone who might be listening. But for the vast majority of of us need to hear, hey, you're where you're at for a reason. God has you there. Understand what the reason is and be excellent at it. So So good. So good. Tell our
1: kids, you know, the life of Joseph, if you find yourself behind bars, Polish them. That's right, brother. Make them shine. You know, I, that's that's kind of all you can do right now in this moment. Maybe you get out. Maybe you don't. But wherever you are, you make those bars shine. And uh, and we spend so much energy wondering about what if or what could be, and uh, which robs us of energy to man just bloom where we're playing and be all in uh, there. And uh, as if somehow God's limited to some specific title role. You know, zip code, if we could just optimize that, then God would show up. and mean if you, you know, i'm I'm sure the next day God used you in some way, and uh, you had a story no knowing you, you probably shared Christ about forty five times before lunch. Um, and uh, and God used you. so it's really, really good.
0: Most people probably when they think about their role are just they're using one grid or one indicator, and that's just the way they feel mm-hmm. about their job right now. And am I happy? Is this uh, can I find joy in this? And so i mean h- how how do you, Counsel people through that. What would you say to somebody with that, that that they're only using that as their grid to determine if they're in the right role?
2: Yeah, I just think uh, Joseph is such a great example, right? I mean, he had to be in a place where he's like, "Hey, God, did you forsake me? Have you have you forgotten about me? Like, how did I end up here?" And uh, you you start to identify whether you've been obedient or not based on the outcome. And I think that that's a dangerous grid. You can't define obedience by the outcome. You can't define obedience by the perceived outcome. Uh, Your feelings do not determine your reality. Um, they, the way that you feel don't determine doesn't determine if you've been obedient or not, and so sometimes uh, there's difficult situations that God has us in that He wants to do something. And the thing that's repeated with Joseph, I love that story that you went there, is it says, "And the Lord was Absolutely. with Joseph," yeah. and the Lord was with Joseph. And I think that's what so many people need to hear right now: is is God is still with you? Like He's He's with you in the grind, He's with you in the day to day. Um, he's, he's with you in the difficult situation. And we are, you know, our biggest problems, and you're not going to like this, uh, but I need to hear it too, is as, as we're, we're kind of brats when it comes to professions. And what I mean by that is, like, your great great grandfather didn't get to choose what he did, you know? I mean, he was a farmer because his dad was a farmer because his dad was a farmer because his dad was a farmer. And he never took Strength Finder or Myers Briggs or DISC test to try to find out if well, was I, was I, did God make me to be a farmer? Like, he never asked those questions. And for us, we have so many options that the options really, you know, they put us in a place, they can put us in a place of discontentment because it's like, well, we get stuck in there, well, what if there's something better for me out there? What if I'm more crafted for something? something more specific and there's i take this i take those tests i know about them because i take them i I find value in them but when you make them ultimate you you need to be careful with that because again you're probably doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing and it's not a um do i need to enjoy what i'm doing um you need to choose joy in what you're doing uh it doesn't necessarily have to be enjoyable Uh, So somebody has to dig trenches. I mean, somebody has to pave roads. Someone has to clean toilets, Uh, you know. And I don't know if whoever cleaned your toilet, you know, today, I don't know if they enjoyed it. But if they were a follower of Jesus, I hope they found joy in it. And I don't know if they took Myers Briggs to find out if they were ENTP or, or whatever they need to be to. That's very clean. ironic. Yeah, there you go. No pun intended. <laughs> ENTP. You see what I did? Uh, anyway, I I don't know if if they you know if that was the the right Myers Briggs for someone who yeah. cleans toilets. Um, but the, but they say, hey, this is the task in front of me.
0: Yeah, and you're saying all this and reminding me of conversations we had a couple months ago when we were going through Acts and you remember one of those themes and wherever we were, we were somewhere in chapter 20, 21, 22, we just kept saying over and over again, uh, just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah, You know, and, and that's what uh, some of this is bringing back to my mind that a lot of times just if we it's like, ah, it, if it's, if, uh, if this is something that I'm passionate about, then it should be easy. That's and exactly it's right. so great. Just, we all need that reminder. Hey, just because it's difficult right now or just because you're discouraged right now, doesn 't mean that the Lord has left you doesn 't mean that his hand is is not on you anyway it doesn 't mean you're you 're in the wrong spot
2: that 's absolutely yep. right you, i mean, 've heard you say that and it 's ministered to me. Have you guys seen um that show i don 't even know if it 's still on t v but undercover boss oh yeah. yeah, yeah, there was a guy here in the d f w area I think his name was igor and um, and he was a truck driver for seven eleven and so the the CEO of seven eleven goes undercover for the show. And he rides with this guy, Igor. Now he had uh, come from another country to America and his outlook, he drove all night and he was, he worked the night shift. And the CEO was so blown away by this man's joy, the joy that he had and the gratitude that he had. And he just, as he's asking him questions, he's like, Hey, how do you do this with so much joy? He's like, man, I just, I feel so privileged and honored to be here and that this company would give me a job and and allow me to eat, you know, and to live in this land is such a gift, such a blessing. And and, uh, and it was a really moving story. And he had no idea that he's talking to the CEO. You know? and, and it's just kind of how God works. And it turns out that as the show ends, um, the CEO actually gave him his own Seven Eleven, And so that's, wow. that's a Come little on. bit the, like what you graduate to if you continue to work through your way through the company. And so it was here in Richardson. So I went out there and I interviewed him. And uh, and just got to talk with this guy, and just like, hey, what, you know, how what was that experience like, and why did you do that, and how did you not take it for granted? Turns out, dude was a believer. Uh, That's in, amazing. At least from my minimal interaction with him, uh, he professed to be a Christian, and that was a lot of where that joy was coming from. But but you know. we... That's God's always watching. Our CEO is always with us and, yeah. and, uh, and he's given us ultimate opportunities. Why would we not show joy in them?
0: That's awesome. Let, let's, uh, let's double click on another thing you said when you were going through that list. Uh, one of the things that was on there, so we're going to change gears a little bit, but stay on this theme. So you, you mentioned sometimes you can wake up Monday discouraged and it's because of the relationships at work, maybe specifically your boss, who's a jerk. So what, what, what do you say about that? Uh, let's talk about that for a few moments. Yeah. Well, so what if your boss is a jerk? Yeah. You know, the first thing I'd say
2: is he's probably not. You know, that's the reality. A jerk, a jerk is such an uh, objective. We, we try to make it an objective word, and the truth is, your boss probably isn't a jerk. You know, people who are, are jerks in nature, um, they tend not to rise to positions of influence and, and whatnot. And I, I understand maybe they're Machiavellian and kind, or. Um, you know, some of that's their drive but probably more than likely what's happening is your boss has a personality that clashes with yours and I've had to learn this through the years and it's a lesson I'm still learning and will probably learn till I die and it's a test that I have failed in seasons let me say that um, I mean, I've worked with guys with a very different personality than me and worked for, specifically, I, I think of uh, someone early on in ministry who I worked for. And when I'd meet with him, I'd have to sit on my hands and um, communicate in different ways that came natural to me and um, and just really to be heard. And so that I would hear him and not drive him crazy either. And, it, and that ended up being a real blessing. So the first thing I think I would say is um, you know your boss probably isn't a jerk. Realize that. Maybe it's it's possible, but but probably not. Secondly, you know, just if you work in ministry, to make sure, and not not just in ministry, but anywhere, you know, that we're called as believers to keep short accounts. And so, if if you feel like your boss has sinned against you, you know, go to him and tell him. Uh, or her, and tell her, and begin to have those conversations with them in a way that's respectful and honorable. And um, you know, Ephesians four tells us to be diligent in preserving the unity, of the spirit, and the bond of peace. Uh, there's so many scriptures we looked at. First uh, Peter two this week that that talk about if you're in an abusive situation um, to. Uh, you know, continue to do your job with excellence so that your your employer would come to know the God that you serve. Now we live in a privilege of we have the privilege of if we're in an abusive situation, we can call the authorities, you know, let them know. But um, but what is it but think about those oh, so many scriptures, right? Titus two and 1 Peter two and Colossians three that give instructions to slaves who are under abusive masters, um, that that I think we can apply to you know, as, as the example you gave me once, you know, if your boss tells you to change the rows to columns or change yeah. the font colors or just has you come in on the weekends or whatever. Change the to the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the to the. And so um and, and then I can remember, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I had a boss tell me, just give me the advice because I had said, Hey, I don't want to uh there's something I don't want to do. And I was I had reached out to another director and, and was asking his advice and he says, you know, you can in those situations where the boss says, hey, you, you need to do something that you don't want to do, you can say, I will, I won't, or I'm willing. And he was making the case that the I'm willing is is the best one is, hey, I'm willing to do that, but might I suggest another way? And rather than the, the I will, when you don't agree with it, you think it's it's wrong. The I won't, when you're, when you're under that authority, um, but to say, hey, I'm willing to do that because you're my authority. But if if I could suggest another way, um, may may I please suggest another option? And so I think that really helps, you know, in those relationships. And we talked this uh, this week at Watermark. We actually talked on authority, and I, I would just say, man, understand you're not in charge. Like God tells us, gives us a lot of instruction that we are subject to every human authority. And he gives specifically, you know, employment as an example, and so understand. Hey, I'm not in charge.
0: So you did something awesome. You took an Andy Stanley quote this past weekend, and you made it better. So share, share the quote oh, I really no. like what you did oh, no. with it. Uh, when when someone,
2: someone asks you what, when someone tells you what to do, don't reject the what, respect the who. Awesome. When someone tells you what to do, don't reject the what, respect the who. And, um, and that just means just understand that it's not what they're asking you to do; um, it's it's who's asking you that's important. And if they're in charge, and it's not sin, then you should probably do it. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a line in a kid's book. Yeah, if you, you want to write a kid's book, you can <laughs> well, you th- do that.
1: Children's authors feel free to take that. What a great story about before you came into ministry. How about now that you have been uh, in ministry, dealt with seasons of discouragement?
2: Um, at all since uh, since you crossed over and became uh, a pastor? Yeah, but I mean, very recently, and and I think as, as in vocational ministry or as Christians, a lot of times our our seasons of discouragement can turn theological, meaning we can begin to question God and why and why me and what are you doing? And so, as an example, um, man, I was ministering to a, a family member who was struggling with some illness and was going to doctor's appointments with them and and helping and. Uh, That meant just a a few sleepless nights, uh, trying to to sit with them in in their pain and their sickness. And it felt like at some point that that jumped on me. And I began to, for the first time in my life, deal with extreme anxiety. And I, I mean, I've taught, I've given sermons on anxiety, and it turns out I was talking about worry which is something different this was a a physical response that wasn't really targeted at anything and these waves of anxiety would come uh, on me at night and they would keep me up i couldn't sleep and and it began to 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 feel like you just get to a place where like man i just want to feel better i don't feel like myself like something's going on and what happened you know um you know, God, why have you allowed this? I thought I was serving you. I thought I was doing a shepherd's work. I thought I was helping, and and this is you know the the consequence to that. And um, and in the midst of that, I went through a job transition, so I'm I'm struggling with this like anxiety that I don't understand. Um, I'm going through a job transition at work where I, I was leading the porch and was really clearly defined and uh, I understood what a win was and all that. And then I was kind of moving to this campus pastor role um, from teaching pastor to campus pastor. And uh, I was in you know an elders, the elders meetings, but I'm not an elder. And, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is my, uh, what's my bullseye? What's my target? So in the midst of dealing with this anxiety, I also can't identify my target and what the win is at work. And um, and I just kind of got to a place where it's like, man, I, I feel discouraged. But not only that, now I had a new team to lead. So I'm, I'm sitting with a, a group of men, many of them who, who've been in ministry longer than me, older than me, and uh, and I'm, I'm supposed to lead them and give vision and, and inspire them and encourage them all while I'm feeling discouraged. One, because of some health issues, and two, because I, I got this new job that I honestly don't, enjoy as much as the old job. And as I was wrestling with the Lord in that, you know, I, I I thought, okay, two things. I thought one, hey, what's in my control? Because some of this health stuff's not in my control. I just need to be faithful in that. I need to, to deal with what I can deal with, which is, hey, I can eat right, I can exercise well, I can I can talk to doctors, you know, I can have my community group praying for me. I mean, those are the things that are with within my control. And that actually bled to that second problem. Hey, what about the ambiguity at work? Well Okay, what are the things that I know that I'm responsible for? And how can I bring as much excellence to those situations uh, as possible? And so there's lots of things I don't know if I'm responsible for. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I don't know, um, you know what the win is. But I know that if I'm leading this meeting, I can make it the best meeting it can possibly be. I know that if I'm preaching this sermon, I can prepare in such a way that, um, that it will be the best sermon that I could possibly give and i began to focus on the things that i knew were in my control and trust god for the things that were out of my control and that seemed like a pathway out of the discouragement and um and so yeah i think that's that's a uh, two thoughts on that it's really really good just from my vantage point jp i was really encouraged by the way you um
1: you handled that and it was it was a tough season man it was uh, you were in the pit mm-hmm. and it was dark um, one of the things I remember, I think it would be a, a good challenge to those who are listening, is like you you had a sense, and you know, we don't think clearly a lot of times and we're discouraged, but, but you had your wits about you enough to go, I think God's doing something here in, in my own life. Circumstantially, I can't really explain a lot of this stuff. Physically, I have no control. What I do know is God... Uh, you know God's doing something in me, and you would say this. I just want to be faithful through this. Like I want to be faithful in this season, and uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do uh, here. And so, man, I, just, I just learned a lot uh, from watching you, and um, and I think that's just a really good. Um, you know, you do need to address those issues um, if someone's listening in. But um, just this mentality that I don't, I, I don't have all the answers, but what I'm positive of, God somehow wants to work in me. Mm-hmm. And all, you know, you, you rattled off Joseph, and we think about David, and everyone wants to be, um, you know, David when he's king or Joseph when he's running Egypt. We, we all want that that part. We just don't want to do all the things that God had to do, uh, go through all the things that uh, God had to bring people through, so that He could do what He did in them. Uh, so that he could do the things that he did through them, yeah. and uh, we just don't like that. We yeah. just want the shortcuts, and so I really appreciated you. I, I, I feel like you've, you know, uh, like you. I'm watching some of those narratives go down, and a brother's just been faithful. I can't explain it. God, I just you're enough. I want to be faithful. I don't know what you. You might make me king. You might not. I don't care. I just want to be faithful. And those are just really, really good words. And it was a good example to me.
0: Right, well, good. As we uh, wind this down, JP, just think about somebody driving around right now, one of our listeners, that is discouraged. I know we've provided a lot of ways to help them identify what it is and things like that. But what what would be some encouragement that you would give to somebody who's dealing with discouragement right now?
2: Yeah, just to jump on, to piggyback on what John was saying. I think uh, we I think we do want to be King David. We want to be David in the palace. and um and, you know, go read 1 Samuel 21, chapter 22, chapter 23, and, and see David running for his life, hiding in caves, not having food to eat, not having a weapon. Um, I mean, those, those we, that's, that's David being discouraged. And, um, and so to the listener who is in a time of discouragement, I, I want to say something to you. Um, it's a test. You need to know that it's a test. And, I, and, I, and you know, the word I said to John in that was, man, I want to get an A. I'm, I'm in a test, and I, I want to get an A on the test. I, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, I understand we're saved by grace through faith. Jesus Christ, his work alone, finished work on the cross, Jesus Christ did it. And, uh, and, and so I, I know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And at the same time, I know that the Lord disciplines those he loves, and I know that that we endure tests here on the earth. And so, if you're in a season of discouragement, I can almost promise you it's a test. And consider what it would look like to get an A on that test. And um, and so, you know, you asked, you know, what so what to say to someone who's uh, dealing with discouragement? A, a couple of things: just have a perspective. You know, I had a, that, a boss tell me the same one that said, you know, I will, I won't, or I'm willing. Uh, he said, he would say all the time, you only grow when you're uncomfortable, which I find to be true. I mean, you know, and it's true in the gym, right? It's true for my son who's growing, has some experience, some growing pains. He's five years old. He's waking up in the middle of the night, his legs hurt. We, we grow when we're uncomfortable. And so uh, the test that you're in may be a season that you look back on and say, hey, that was one of my biggest areas of growth. That's when my, uh, my character developed. We know that we're to experience uh, joy in in um, in in persecution or in the challenges of life, and so James one says that in Romans five and says that it produces character.
0: I think it's so profound because the you know the, if you're only going to grow when you're being challenged or when you're uncomfortable. If we loop back to that grid that we use sometimes to determine whether or not we are liking our role. A lot of times, it's we don't like it because it's uncomfortable, right? And and so sometimes, and then we can start praying and talking to people and dreaming, and we might be running from the very thing that the Lord is using to conform us to be more and more like His Son, and and what a shame that would be to miss out on that growth. We don't we think that we're only going to grow when it's easy or when we have more microphones or more spotlights or more money or whatever it is. This. This is that valley where the character is forged. It yeah. makes you somebody worth following.
2: It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for, the, for three things, I think. It's an opportunity um, for joy. Um, it's an opportunity for worship. And it is an opportunity, I'm trying to think of the, the other thing I was going to say on that, um, oh, for, for just rejoicing so you might those those three are very similar but it's an opportunity to show joy or i'll say an opportunity to show gratitude We have very few opportunities in this life to show gratitude for difficulty. And so when your work is challenging or you're facing discouragement, that's an opportunity to be grateful and to look for what God is doing and to say, hey, I know that you're you're growing me through this. I know that you're developing character and I want, will you help me, God? Will you help me find joy in this? And it's an opportunity to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, don't get caught up in the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be different, be new. Um, ask the Lord for help in that. And so, I think that that our greatest, uh, our, our biggest challenges at work, our biggest discouragements in this life, are our greatest opportunities to to point to the one we worship. That's great. so good. So, a few things I was just thinking about. One, um, we have said it. You know, just be grateful.
1: Uh, in my own life, I found that gratitude. Thankfulness is just kind of this death blow to discouragement. And so when I get discouraged, I just start rattling off That's all right. all the things um, that I'm that I'm thankful for. That I probably wasn't what what that means is that that wasn't top of mind, and I need to push that stuff back up top of mind. Um, you know, in that moment. And the other one is just to affirm that hey, God is in control. God is in control. And in all, both of you, those situations you talked about, JP, God, God was in control. Like, you know, that AC unit, it wasn't like that caught him somehow off guard, you yeah. know, and he's turning to his angels. Guys, did you see that? What what happened? He he knew exactly what was going on. He was in control. And if we'll just affirm we might not understand, Joseph didn't understand. He had no clue how that story would end. But I think he had this affirmation that in, in his own heart, that God, God's in control, and that that will take us uh, really, really far. And another one for me is just sleep. Boy, I I just compound the discouragement when I uh, run tired, mm. and uh, and and it's oftentimes the, the best leadership move I can do is eat clean, work out, and go to bed early. You know, read my Bible and fall asleep uh, uh, quickly uh, with that. And it's it's amazing how I wake up the next day not discouraged. And in fact, I think you know what I've learned to do is almost just take that. This is at the micro level, especially. Um, take that discouragement and like put it in a box. And so I'm, I'm feeling discouraged right here in this moment. And uh, so I just, this is just self-leadership for me, put it in a box and close it up and say, I'll, I'm gonna open this back up tomorrow. And if it's still there, I'll deal with it. Uh, and it's amazing how many times it's just not there in the morning if I just don't get all spun up. But I have a tendency to just start you know, pulling it out and inspecting it and uh, compounding my discouragement. And if I'll just kind of if set it tired. aside, if I, especially when I'm tired, just set it aside. Let me do all the things I just talked about. Affirm you know, God's in control. Be thankful. Go to bed. you know, Take care of my body and, and uh, spiritually just make sure I'm in a good place. I wake up just like gone, you know, or still there, but it doesn't look anything like I thought it did. Uh, and then lastly, um, just pulling other people in, you know, which you did, JP. I mean, uh, I think the tendency is when we feel like we're in a hole is to not let anybody know. Maybe we're weak, uh, or maybe we just don't think they get it, uh, or they don't have anything to say. And uh, and I never felt the pressure with you, like, to fix you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you just kind of hey, I want to let you in here. Will you will you pray for me? Um, and I think when you do let people in, you want to say, "Don't let me stay. Don't, don't let me be committed to staying in the hole." Like, um, give you know, call me, remind me. Uh, that God's good remind me of all that's uh, that's um, I have to be thankful for. Um, you know, remind me that God God still loves me and uh, and help me think wisely. Don't let me just kind of spiral downwards. But I think a lot of times um, discouragement and isolation uh, become a, a pretty good death spiral. And uh, you just need to let others in and uh, and give them the freedom to uh, to. You know, uh, encourage you.
0: All right, JP. Thank you so much for being here today, man. It's fun having you back in the uh, back in the podcast studio with us. My joy, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Well, if uh, you guys, any listeners out there, you have any questions or comments about today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at CLP at Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.